Hey, this is Sandra. This is Jess. And this is Emily. And you are listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. We're doing the bits for a deep fried Korean Thanksgiving. And I believe, Emily, you're doing the summary this week. Yes, I am. Uh, I don't I don't know how this is how the well this is gonna go. I have it all typed up. I have not timed myself. Oh, oh okay. Fun. So <laughs> I mean, has Emily ever I think you went over once. We were like so in awe that we just said <laughs> it's fine. But I would love. Okay, this is not a very nice thing to say. You to my want co-host. me to fail? I would love for somebody else besides me to fail because what if we get through the whole season and I fail because I failed once? Um, if that's the case for next season, we might have to shorten the time. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh no, yeah. no, no. Lengthen it for me. <laughs> Give me a handicap. All right. Are you ready? <sighs> no. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, three. Count me down. Two. One. Go. The Gilmore girls see a big comparison between them and Edith and Edie from Grey Garden. Suki is handing off Thanksgiving dinner at the inn, and Emily shows up demanding the girls be at Thanksgiving dinner. Paris wants to volunteer but is rejected. The girls are going to try to skip Luke's, but guilt, but guilt keeps him there. Worry is uncomfortable with PDA with Jess and doesn't know how to have a second boyfriend. Kirk got a cat named and named it Kirk. Jackson's doing the turkey for Suki this year and deep frying it. Suki's having a minor meltdown. Cat Kirk is violent. Lane has gotten a, has gotten Dave a gig at the Kim House playing guitar. He gets paid twenty dollars and Lane gets her first kiss at the Gilmore Mansion. Lorelai embarrasses the parents of their French knowledge and has a meltdown over the college story as it applied to Laurie and Worry makeup. Suki gets hammered. Dean and Justin Worry. Uh, timer went Yikes. off. Dean sees Jess and Rory kiss and tries to pick a fight. Kirk has been evicted by a cat and is sleeping in the gazebo. Well, Jess, you got your wish. I did. I, I feel bad fail. now. <laughs> I feel bad now. Sorry. But... I failed and it's clearly Jess's fault. <laughs> it's one of those things where every time Emily does a summary, me and Jess I'm just like looking at the timer, but like, I sometimes can't believe that those are the words that are coming out of your mouth because they're so fast. It's like you're on Uh, fast forward. It's crazy. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, that was was, a fail. Yeah, it was a fail. Very (laughs) clearly missed the kiss at the end and the fight. I mean, there's four Thanksgivings packed into this episode, so you know there's going to be a lot of content. Yes. So right now, Jess and Emily, you guys are tied. I am somehow not in this running yet, Um, yet, I say, (laughs) Um, but who knows? Do you have the, you have the next summary? I do not. Jess does. I think it's me. Okay. Well, because we go in groups of three, so I guess I'm last in the groups of three. Okay. Start over. Okay. Well, after our summary, we are going to jump into references with Sandra. All right, guys. So references this week, we're going to be focusing on music. So obviously this was the Thanksgiving episode, but there were a bunch of musical references. Uh, So first up at the Kims, Dave, our lovely Dave, our townsperson, 
our co-townsperson of the week mm-hmm. the is the very good Christian guitar player playing hymn after hymn, um, even playing it while they eat the meal. So I'm concerned Dave didn't eat until the end of the day. That's neither here yet. That's whatever. But I'm concerned for Dave. Um, he does like the tofurkey, though. He does. Um, Mrs. Kim asks him to perform hymn number 17 while they eat, although no one needs to sing, but at the very least she wants him to strung along. If you notice that first, Miss Kim seems confused at Dave's playing and then seems placated. Well, that's because Dave doesn't actually launch into hymn 17. He plays the main rift from the song The Man Who Sold the World, which is originally by David Bowie, but was also covered by Nirvana. Now, the song itself is a pretty cryptic song. Bowie mostly avoided ever giving a direct interpretation of the lyrics, but later remarked it had to do with the devils and angels within himself. Further analysis of the song indicates that he was singing about having a splintered personality or having a doppelganger of sorts. Like, this kind of fits Lane and Dave, right? Like, having two personalities kind of thing. I thought it was really cool. I never realized that he was playing a Bowie song, and that's why Mrs. Kim looked weird. Like, mm-hmm. I, th- I never got that. But that's really cool. Uh, and I th- it fits Dave, right? The character. Like, he's pretending mm-hmm. to be this good Christian boy, but really, he's a rock star. Future mm-hmm. rock star. But up next, uh, warning, I'm not a French person. If this was Spanish, I'd be okay, but I'm... Uh, okay. Velez-vous... No. Velez-vous... avec moi? C'est soir? C'est soir. Which translates to do you want to sleep with me tonight it's a lyric from lady marmalade a song originally written by bob crew and kenny nolan and performed by labelle in 1974 but it has had a ton of cover versions throughout the years and recently the most famous version is the 2001 moulin rouge version performed by christina aguilera little kim maya and pink so, this version was included as part of a medley within the movie Moulin Rouge. And if you have not seen this movie, you need to see this movie. Oh my god, Literally I love stop this movie the podcast so much. And go watch it. <laughs> I love this movie so much. Keep in mind, it's not the happiest of movies. Um, but no, it is really no, cool. And it is a jukebox musical romantic drama. It's directed by Baz Luhrmann, who also directed... Romeo and Juliet, which we previously talked about. Yeah. Moulin Rouge was really unique with this music, taking all these popular songs, both new and old, and transforming them into ballads, raps, weird circus performances. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Lady Marmalade, for example, was part of a medley that also included Smells Like Teen Spirit, and what I can only describe as a weird-ass fever dream. <laughs> like That's the entire movie. But such a yeah. good one. But my last musical reference is actually a blink and you missed it moment that also happens at the Kim's household. So when Lorelai and Rory arrive and they have their back and forth with Mrs. Kim, afterwards Lorelai says, my arms are too short to box with Mrs. Kim. And I previously just thought that meant like she would lose a fight with Mrs. Kim, which is Mm -hmm. basically what's implied. Mm -hmm. But this is a reference to a 1976 Broadway musical called... Your arms too short to box with God, 
a soaring celebration in song and dance, which is also a phrase uh, which was found in black poetry in the early 1900s. So this phrase obviously indicates that you can be as big as you want on earth, but your arms are too small to reach God, right? Hmm. What I love about this phrase is that it's been remixed a thousand times by rappers. Some of my favorite remixes are your lungs is too small to hotbox with God. (laughs) (laughs) And also your firearms are too short to box with God. Great, great lines. The original phrase has also appeared in such classics as Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man and also CM Punk on Monday Night Raw, The Wrestler. That was his phrase. So, you know, all the classics. Wow. (laughs) He would just say, my arms are too short to box with God? But he was God. So, like, your arms are too short to box with me. So, again, I had no idea this (laughs) reference meant anything other than just like Miss Lorelai saying that she could not beat Mrs. Kim. Yeah. But no, it had a reference. <laughs> but yeah, those were my references this week. And I believe after references, we have movie. We have a movie with Emily. Books, movies, and music with Emily. Okay, so this week, I think it's fairly obvious what movie we are doing. In the opening scene, um, and it's it's not mentioned in the show itself, but the movie playing is called Grey Gardens, mm-hmm. um, and they mention Jackie O. So Grey Gardens is a 1975 American documentary film by Albert and David Mazels. The description... Meet a mother and daughter, high society dropouts, managing to thrive together amid the decay and disorder of their East Hampton, New York mansion, making for an eerily ramshackle echo of the American Camelot. I don't... You said okay. a lot of words. <laughs> right? Like yeah. I've, I've read this five times and I'm still not 100% sure what it's supposed to mean, <laughs> other than the fact that it's about two women living in a house that's falling apart. Anyway, by the way, this is the aunt and first cousin of one Miss Jackie Kennedy Onassis, who, in case you don't know, is or was first lady to President Kennedy. Mm -hmm. She was kind of one of America's first fashion icons. Oh, yeah, definitely. All her dresses. Oh, yeah. She was a big fashion icon. Mm -hmm. So the two women lived together at the Grey Gardens estate hence the name of the movie, for decades with limited funds and increasing squalor and isolation. The film depicts the everyday lives of these two reclusive upper-class women, a mother and daughter, both named Edith Beale, so they go by Big Edie and Little Edie, or sometimes Edith and Little Edie, and they lived in poverty at Grey Gardens, a derelict mansion in the wealthy Georgica Pond neighborhood of East Hamptons, which is a very financially it's a very financially sound area Mm -hmm. it came out to fairly mixed reviews some of them of which we mentioned in 1976 walter goodman wrote in the new york times that the film presents the beals as a pair of grotesques and asked why were they put on exhibition this way kind of agree but 
in 2014, in a conversation with Alex Simon for The Hollywood Interview, Albert Maisel, so one of the directors, was asked specifically about the issue of exploitation, and he said, Great Gardens was very controversial when it was initially released, with some circles feeling you and David were exploiting these two women who seemed to be mentally ill. Maisel's replied that, as someone with a background in psychology, I knew better than to claim they were ill. Interesting. And it, it it feel it felt when I was like reading about the article, it to me just felt like a well, I know this, so I know better. And it just kind of rubbed yeah. me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um interestingly enough, the document was made into a full length musical. Okay. With music by Scott Frankel and lyrics by Michael Corey. I will say I did not uh, recognize any of the people in the show. Uh, it starred Christine Ebersole and Mary Louise Wilson. It sh- premiered at Playwrights Horizon in New York City in February 26th. Or I'm sorry. It, it premiered at Playwrights Horizon in New York City in February 2006. Mm-hmm. And the musical reopened on Broadway in November of 2006 at the Walter Kerr Theater and was included in more than 25 best of 2006 lists in newspapers and magazines. Mm-hmm. And it also won Tony it. Awards. Yeah, I haven't heard of it either. Um, it won Tony Award for a Best Costume Design and Ebersole and Wilson each won Tony Awards for their performances. Cool. It wow. closed less than a year later on July 29th. Sounds right. So <laughs> they can't all be winners. Yeah. <laughs> it says it was the first musical on Broadway ever to be adapted from a documentary, which I found interesting. That also sounds about right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And also, so the movie, the documentary itself, obviously stars the original Edie, Edith's. Big Edith Edie Beals. and little Edie. The, the original mm. Edie's, it's a documentary, is them in their life. It was remade into an HBO film with Drew Barrymore and Jessica Lange in 2009 is when it was released on in, on HBO. I do remember that because they won a lot, right? I It won six primetime Emmys and two Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I give my random fact about this? I don't know if you're going to mention it. Uh, no, please go okay. ahead. I was watching Documentary Now with... Yes, yes. With, I was thinking of the same thing. Uh, their names: Fred at Bill Bill Hader and Fred Bill, yeah. Armisen, right? Yes. Yeah. Who parodied uh, Grey Gardens in an episode, and they played Edie and Edie. No, they paid. They played Little Vivi and Big right, Vivi. Yes, they played a, a different different version. <laughs> um, but when I saw it, I didn't realize that that's what they were parodying. Grey Gardens. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I found that afterwards. <laughs> That's what they were wearing. <laughs> and I was like, wait, why do I remember these random... <laughs> familiar. Oh, yeah. Gilmore Girls. <laughs> like... <laughs> it's been in a lot of different, like, it's been on a lot of different shows. So it had, um, it was fe- the Comedy Central Roast of Joan Rivers featured a joke about, like, basically comparing Joan and Melissa to Big and Little Edie. It was on an episode of The New Normal in 2012. In season five of 30 Rock, Tina's Tina Fey's character does an impersonation of Little Edie. Um, she says it was her her imitation of Drew Barrymore. So 
I don't know if it's her impression of Little Edie or Drew Barrymore. I don't know. Um, it was also been mentioned on RuPaul's Drag Race multiple hmm. times. I could see that. Uh, one contestant dressed as Edie for a cat-themed magazine cover. Okay. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was on Documentary Now as well with uh, in a parody called Sandy Passage. Okay. Just it's a weird <laughs> name. That, that episode was written by Seth Meyers as well. Oh, wow. I love Seth. Okay. So a couple of big names involved on that part. Um, it does kind of seem like they were taking advantage of two mentally ill women. Um, especially yeah. the hoarding aspect and all that. So mm. that's not great. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, it's so in human nature to, like, kind of gawk at what is different and strange. And any time that somebody finds that subject matter and says, I want to make a film about it, and I'm going to publish that film, and I'm going to make money off that film, that's when it starts to get a little dicey for me. But it, just... it has become a huge pop culture phenomenon. Oh, it yeah. feels like the beginning of Hoarders. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. somebody just watched this and was like, I'm going to find more people and make a TV show out of it. Yeah. I I haven't watched it. I don't want to watch it. It like you guys said, it just kind of feels exploitive, I mm-hmm. guess. And I don't I don't like watching other people's pain. <laughs> like yeah, not that that's necessarily that's what this is, but that's what it feels like to me. Um, so if you want to watch it, go for it. If not, don't. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but that was if you're trying to watch everything that the Gilmore Girls. Watch. Maybe maybe skip, skip this one. This one. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> but that was Grey Gardens, a 1975 documentary about Edie and Edie Beals, the cousin and aunt of Jackie O. After that, we have Fashion with Jess. Making fashion choices, making fashion choices, making fashion choices with Jess. Guys, we're getting such fun fall fashion in this episode. Um, I think Sandra mentioned it last last week. Uh, a lot of it is about one beautiful coat, or two so beautiful, beautiful coats in particular. Um, but I do want to touch on a number of different things that we have. So starting at the beginning of the episode, I do want to just touch on Lorelai's work outfit briefly. Because we see such interesting mixed work outfits from Lorelai. This is one of the first outfits that I see that I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. that is what I feel like she should be wearing to work. She's got this great suit on. It's this pinstripe suit. It's got kind of flared sleeves. Like, it's very fun. It's fashion forward, but she looks like she is the boss. Yes. I have a weakness for women in suits. Like so Because they look amazing. Yeah. Like, Kate Kate McKinnon in a suit. Oh, my God. She's gorgeous. And, like, Lauren yeah. in a suit. I'm sorry. I just have a weakness for Kate McKinnon. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway. yeah. <laughs> anyway, but I just had to call this out because sometimes we see her in things at work and we're like, how are you wearing that to work? This makes sense and looks great. Yes. Jumping into the Thanksgiving outfits. Lorelai and Rory spend, I mean, the majority of this episode in, in one day. And so we see them wearing their Thanksgiving outfits that they wear to every single Thanksgiving. I'm going to touch on Rory's first because I think of the two outfits, I like it a little bit less, but it's still good. So Rory has this really great red overcoat, which I think is probably the red overcoat. Is it the same red overcoat she was wearing? I think so. I think we've seen this. I think it is. Yes. Yes. Um, So she's got this great overcoat that we love. 
And then under it, she is wearing a kind of shorter black satiny dress with flowers on it. And she has a pink cardigan. She looks really cute. It totally fits as an outfit that she would wear when she's going to see a bunch of friends, including her boyfriend. We know that Rory likes to dress up for boys, um, so it totally works. Super cute. Mm -hmm. Uh, A little bit springy, almost, with the pink cardigan and the floral dress. Yeah. It works. Then we have Lorelai's outfit, which I think the standout piece is that camel coat. She's got a gorgeous long overcoat, Mm -hmm. um, which just pulls any outfit together. She could honestly throw it on over almost anything and look incredible. Uh, Underneath it is, it's interesting. She's got what I would describe as like kind of a boho top on. It's this black kind of open overshirt with these three-quarter length sleeves that open and kind of trail. Um, There's something almost a little bit witchy about it, too, with this gold trim and accents. And then she has some black um, kind of slacks on with it and a black camisole underneath. But there's something very, like, autumn witchy about it, and I really love it. (laughs) I think it's a really cool look. She's got a, a simple, like, single black stone necklace. Um, the whole outfit, I wouldn't say that it's a Thanksgiving outfit. I don't think either of these outfits are like, oh, yes, clearly Thanksgiving. But I think they both look put together and nice, and it's comfortable for them to be running around literally all day long. So those are my my two main outfits. Touching on a couple of the side characters, I didn't love Lane's outfit, guys. Uh... We don't see a ton of it, but she's got this turtleneck sweater on. The body of the turtleneck is either a a dark navy or a black. And then kind of like shoulder to shoulder and up the turtleneck, it's got more of a red and gold kind of print. Um, She's got a, a orange skirt on. I just feel like it looks kind of weird. Like visually on the screen, it comes across as like floating head or head in vase. <laughs> It does give invisibility cloak vibes of like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't like know. It's I a like fine it. sweater, but yeah, I don't mind it. I just, I it just visually, I feel like it doesn't work as well for TV as it might in person. I also wanted to touch on Suki, mostly because as I mentioned last week, I am obsessed with Suki's Thanksgiving. I want to step into this scene and live here for the rest of my life. Uh, We don't see a great deal of what Suki is wearing. She's got what looks like maybe either a dress or a long tunic. When she kicks her foot up at the end, it looks like she's got some leggings on, which she should (laughs) because it's cold. Um, A cardigan. And then she's thrown this really pretty plaid kind of blanket shawl around her shoulders. I received a scarf with these colors last year for Christmas, and I immediately thought of this scene. and I'm so excited. Maybe I'll wear it for my Thanksgiving. You know, live the Suki vibes. And then my final characters that I want to touch on are Babette and Maury, who, being the cool, cool cats that they are, do attend Luke's Thanksgiving in all black, (laughs) just like the coolest all the time. And as they get up to leave, Babette does throw on this really fabulous, like, brocade red coat with crazy fringe. This is the kind of thing that I cannot help myself when I run into them you want at, uh, at estate <laughs> sales. I have like a closet full of funky coats because I love a funky coat. I love that Maury has glasses on, like sunglasses on oh, inside. Yeah. 
literally the coolest guy. He's got a, a little, like, fedora trilby thing, glasses inside, three layers of black clothing. He puts a black scarf on as they go out the door. This is Maury's only outfit. I don't Basically. think we ever see him in anything else. And he always yeah. has his sunglasses on, I think, other than the Cinnamon's Wake episode. I think that's the only time we see him take his glasses off. He yeah. was respectful. Which, understandably. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I just, I love them. And then my actual final one I'll touch on, because I know she always looks great, is Emily. Uh, Emily in her, she's got a black skirt on with this red and blue plaid jacket. It's very festive. This is what strikes me as like a, this is a Thanksgiving outfit. Mm -hmm. There's something about that like warm jewel tone kind of like palette that's like, ooh, Thanksgiving. Very autumn, very Thanksgiving. Emily looks incredible. Her table is incredible. Her meal is incredible. If only things had worked out a little bit better. Yeah. But that was my fashion recap for this episode. Did I miss anything or did I say anything that you guys are like, she's crazy? No. Um, no. I I like both Rory and Lorelai's coats. I want them both. That's it. Yeah. 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 Lorelai's sleeves for her Thanksgiving outfit would drive me bonkers. Hmm. Yeah, because like, they they have to hang down like a good what six inches. I mean, or they're so? long. Yeah, yeah, because they're they they cut open at the elbow and go all the way down to her wrist. I got really into tops with sleeves like that a couple of years ago, and that is a real bummer. Like you are dragging your sleeves through everything. They are not what I would wear if I was going to go to a meal where I'd be reaching across tables to get stuff. Right, <laughs> and they're going to four meals. <laughs> also. It's just connecting with me now. How miserable would it be to wear that shirt inside a coat? Oh, oh yeah. Super miserable it because it rolls there. up. Yeah. Right? It would roll up. It's not long enough that you can, like, grab it and pull it through. Oh, yeah. Oof. I literally just taught Charlie how to hold on to her sleeves today oh. while putting on a jacket. <laughs> that is an important life skill. It is. Um, I will also <laughs> mention that Jess looked really good in that black uh, oh, shirt yeah. that he had. He like long sleeve it was like a sweater yeah, yeah. Mm. oh i mean he just looked great and he had a great coat on when he comes up and kisses rory like just assume if jess is on screen i'm like hell yeah he looks good <laughs> it's not very fashionable I don't think he's so. just hot <laughs> yeah if i don't think so i'll tell you but yeah that was fashion and after fashion we have star hollow speaks la Okay, so starting off this week with Stars Hollow Speaks, we have comments from last episode's discussion on the dance marathon from KGRY2525. She says, how was Rory going to take Dean to the marathon if she had to work on the Franklin with Paris? True. I think we discussed it, mm -hmm. that it was like going to be a split kind of day. Or it was like a last minute decision, like Paris was like, this weekend we're doing it. Yeah. But then it was actually next weekend. There's a lot of fuzzy loose ends in that particular plot line timeline black hole we don't discuss it <laughs> <laughs> um robert's books says kirk's partner strikes me as a taylor's ringer a few marathons ago taylor probably talked her up constantly sounds like everyone is used to she and kirk winning every year also she may not be awake for dean but she's awake for jess equals truth and then a bunch of like laughing smiley faces <laughs> one of my better quotes yeah <laughs> <laughs> Best quote of the season so far. 
And then Spent- Spentabulous says, I've just rewatched this episode, one of my all-time faves, and I wondered what everyone else thinks. If it wasn't for this episode, would Rory have ever left Dean? That's a really great question. I think eventually. I feel like the eventually, Logan, but... like that party where they uh, basically pimp mm-hmm. out Rory and Logan and her kind of hook second, up. The second, yeah. third, third. The third breakup. Third Dean breakup. That would have been like the official breakup so it something still would have gotten in the way of them but it would have dragged on oh yeah if there had not been that explosive moment for sure mm-hmm. i'm still surprised that it was something jess said that made dean finally end it and not something rory said yeah that that blows my mind we also uh received an email talking about they don't uh or they shoot gilmore's don't they part two and it was from our listener Brittany. And Brittany and I (laughs) have more in common than you'd expect. She said, Jess, did we have the same childhood? And she said, "Um, you brought up getting into a swing dance craze during Emily's segment. And I literally had the same experience. Around 13 to 16, my older brother's friends all got into swing dancing and swing music. So, of course, I also got into swing dancing and swing music. They taught me a couple of moves. We went to a few swing nights at dance clubs and venues. We were limited since everyone was around 18 or younger, but our parents were fine with it since it was super innocent and kept us occupied. So funny. Uh, If you recall, Brittany was also the one who had read the Warrior Cats books. So (laughs) Brittany and I are like secret soul twins. But yeah, no, I loved that. And I responded to Brittany and I said, there was something about swing dancing that it like allowed you as an awkward teenager to be able to interact with strangers, you know, touch boys in a way that was safe and non-pressured. And I really loved it. So, hey, if you're looking for a way to get your tween out there, send them out swing dancing. They'll come back a theater kid, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Can I just make my husband go to lessons with me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, I think you would have so much fun. Oh, uh, he'd be like, "Yeah, no." Ooh, I'm going to try. I know. I'm always <laughs> trying to get trying to get my fiance to dance and he's not a dancer but that was an email from Brittany. so thank you so much Brittany. it was great making that connection with you uh and we also got an instagram message from laura who says hello girls i have been binging your podcast and re-watching along probably for the 20th time i've been there uh watch re-watching yeah. oh my gosh like, yeah like i said in the uh last episode i have watched this episode so many times that i can fast forward it and i still know what happens like everything <laughs> but she continues saying i first watched gilmore girls for the first time as a preteen and thought lorelei was the coolest mom ever while i have very different opinions now most of the time i can't stand her her comments about no. dean being the greatest boyfriend ever make me barf uh, agreed yeah. <laughs> yeah. and she's just incredibly immature even taking into consideration the fact that she was a teen mom i also can't stand dean of course and None of us can. <laughs> and Logan. In fact, I usually rewatch until the end of season three. I'm kind of the same. Logan is such a bad influence, and most of all, he's just too entitled. The first time I watched Gilmore Girls as an adult, I thought I would finally get on board with the Logan really shit, but it just wasn't the case. Team Jess always. I mean, same. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't mind Logan as much. I'm excited to rewatch yeah. Logan. I really I'm excited to go through the whole thing. And see how I feel on the other side. See, I always liked Logan. To me, like when I was a teenager, he was just the, the fun, sophisticated, rich boy who could take you do whatever you wanted. And now just he, he's just fun. Yeah. He's Tristan, but better written. 
Yeah, he's Tristan without the excessive bullying. Yeah, mm-hmm. but she ends it up with "Love the podcast. You're only probably listener in Uganda." So, um, Heck that's thank so you. crazy. I love that so much. I'd love to know how you found us. Right? Yeah. Honestly, all of our listeners. I'm how did you find how us? All of you found us. Like <laughs> sometimes I feel like we're just kind of screaming into a void, yeah. and every now and then a nice voice says, "I hear you." So tell us how oh, you found us. I do that anyway, every <laughs> night. <laughs> but thank you so much, Laura. She ends the message, of course, with hashtag Justice for Lane. Always, always, yes. always, always. And hey, she got a little bit of justice in this episode. She did. She does. Yes, she does. She gets her first kiss. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we do have a couple of responses on our post for today's episode uh, from Gabby. Love this episode and all the Thanksgiving dinners and drunk Suki at the end. Same. <laughs> and then also from Ellen. This is a top tier Gilmore Girls episode. I think the best part is that we get to see how important the Gilmore Girls are to Luke. Yeah, and vice versa. Like, main event, our table, like, all those words matter. And you can Mm -hmm. definitely see that they love each other. Yeah. Whether they know it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Familiar or not will be determined. But there is definitely love. After Stars Hollow Speaks, we have one more thing. We have coffee. Okay. Coffee. This episode was a little weird because we see Luke's multiple times, but... They're not there for coffee. So until the very till end. Till the very end. We, see it. we do. Okay. But at when they're there for breakfast, they don't get any coffee. And then later on, when they're there for Thanksgiving dinner, they're drinking, I'm assuming, soda. Right. Well he says Aren't you guys could just mugs? have cokes. Yeah. No, they don't yeah. have mugs. They have cups. Oh, I thought there were mugs on the table when um because I remember thinking when he said when Luke tells Jess fill up some coffee or refill coffee or something that there's a bunch of mugs on the table and I was I like think and he Rory never refills theirs. Babette have coffee. Yeah, Rory or, or mugs. And anyway, the girls don't. Yeah, no, they don't. Um, unless let, let's double check and maybe I'm. <gasps> they do. I'm wrong. They have mugs. They have mugs, but they're not filled. Yeah, we never see them filled. So I'm not counting them because Luke likes to have mugs on the table. Just in yes. general, before they're filled. So I'm not counting them, but at the very end, they do get two cups of coffee. So Lorelai and Rory had one cup each in this episode, which for an episode that spanned the entire day and also a lot of events is kind of crazy. Like you would think they would have to drink coffee all throughout the day to stay awake. But no, just at the end. I'm going to make one observation that we probably should have made in last week's mm. episode discussion. Every mug that we see being used in this scene at luke's matches oh yeah they're not the pink and blue ones they're like a white with a green top it's his thanksgiving mugs it's his nice dinner luke has nice coffee mugs mugs? (laughs) oh my god i have no idea but that's just what yeah i have no idea that's so cute that is the cutest thing i've ever heard You never see matching mugs, though. Like, it just kind no. of scattered with whatever, which is fine. Like, it's great. I love it. But he this is intentional. Wall, right? Yeah. Like, that mug wall of all the different mugs. Mm-hmm. So, I love the headcanon. Luke has special mugs that he brings out for Thanksgiving. Special occasion uh-huh. mugs. Luke. <laughs> I, going back to fashion real quick, just because it's on my screen, I love Lorelai's necklace. 
right? It's cool. It's so cool. Anyways, it's very pretty. Guys, the Thanksgiving episode in October. Um, what's funny is that we are actually going to release an episode on Thanksgiving, but it's not this one. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry, guys. But that was this episode, and... And we have one little piece of town meeting pod news before we go. Um, we are preparing for a couple of big events, big life events. Obviously, we know that Emily has baby on the way. Sanders got some big stuff coming up. We are going to be doing a bunch of recordings over the next two months to get ourselves ahead so that we have time to deal with these big life events as they come up. Yes. So we're going to be asking for feedback on episodes a lot more regularly than you're probably used to. Um, so if you guys could just keep on sending in your thoughts about episodes as we ask, we love Stars Hollow Speaks and we want to make sure that it's still a thing. We might not be able to comment on people's comments about previous episodes because we're going to be recording so rapidly. Um, yeah. But we still want to include you guys as much as possible. So from here to the end of season three, we're going to be recording kind of back to back. So send in as many thoughts as you want. Throw them in an email. Send them in a message. Let us know what you think so that we can include you where we can. I love, Jess, that you, like, was like, Emily has a pregnancy, a baby coming on the way, and Sandra has some mysterious big stuff coming on the way. And then you don't mention the fact <laughs> that you're totally engaged and you're planning no. <laughs> on a wedding at one point I mean, in your life. Eventually, I will get married. It'll happen. <laughs> I don't have anything immediate. I don't need to take maternity leave. Can you imagine? marriage leave <laughs> i'm wedding planning i need two months of leave <laughs> i would have loved that when i planned my wedding <laughs> not in the cards i'll give my news in a couple weeks just keep it as a a little mystery for everyone sandra has some big news coming up who knows what it is yeah. it doesn't involve a guy it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but once again thank you all for listening honestly tell us how you found us because I don't know how. I want to know. Yeah, I want to know. And as always, I was Jess. I was Sandra. And I was Emily. We will see you next week. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening. This is Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls rewatch podcast with Sandra, Jess, and Emily. You can follow us on Instagram at Town Meeting Pod. Send us an email at townmeetingpod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash townmeetingpod and click message. You can also support us by subscribing to us on Spotify or buying us a cup of coffee on buymeacoffee.com slash townmeeting.